It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You Love Talk warriors out there, we're so glad that you have found the Love Ladies today here on the Bridge Austin, today's Christian Talk, 101 FM and 1120 AM, where we are building bridges of love and leadership with you. And we're so excited that you have found us today. My name is Coach Carrie Brinkader, and I am in studio today with my new friend, my good friend, Marlene McMichael, as Kathy would call you, the marvelous Marlene McMichael. Hey, Marlene. Great to have you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm very excited about the program today. So, I and I I know we normally chit chat a little bit, but um um I just think that with the program that we had last week mm-hmm. with Lisa Michelle and her story of abuse and redemption, mm-hmm. that it's it's really this program is today is going to be really timely. We have yes. a guest here from the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center, and you're going to learn all about that, mm-hmm. what that what the center does, and and what its mission is, and you're also going to learn how to help children like Lisa. And uh, mm-hmm. so we're really excited about that, and we want to get right into it. But um, Absolutely. You know, our program last week was filled with a lot of sensitive material. Lisa was telling her story of um, abuse, and today we're going to be, be looking at it's still sensitive material, mamas and daddies, and so if you have little ones around, you, you may want to, you know, um, put them uh, in the next room with some toys or something. Um, not as sensitive as last week, but, but we are talking about ways to identify abusive situations today. Um, one of many things we'll talk about um, as we discuss uh, this very, very difficult topic. And Marlene, you and I both live a little north of Austin, right? And um, we know our communities are growing here so rapidly, which unfortunately means that um, these services are needed more and more and more with the growing population. Um, We do have children that are moving here that are in dire need of some help and help. That's uh, what we're going to talk about today. Our key verses for today, Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Oh, man. That verse, it'll get you right right in the fields there, Marlene. And what about Psalm 127.3? Behold, children are the heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward mm. and a blessing. And an absolute blessing, for sure. And in these two verses are key to this because children who have been mistreated are really captive. Mm-hmm. They're captive to those hurts and those emotions and, you know, to a large extent, it's, you know, the Lord can free that um, and and absolutely make them whole. But to a large extent, it's up to us to be aware. And yes. so that is why we have our guest today. Her name is Tori Algiers. Actually, it's Victoria Algiers, <laughs> but we call her Tori. And uh, she is a, um education, outreach and education supervisor at the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center. And this is an organization that is very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I served on the board for many years, and I think I was two terms as chair of the board. And so when I was there, the center was uh, always growing and always doing good things. But I think we had maybe 14 personnel on staff. And I know that we've, in just a very few years, almost doubled that. Wow. And mm-hmm. so um, the center is uh, located in, well, it's right now it's in a temporary location in Round Rock. But it is a uh, permanent location is in Georgetown. And they are in an expansion project, which you'll see groundbreak. Well, they've broken the ground, but you're going to see <laughs> construction soon. Uh, and we're almost going to double the size of wow. that facility. So wow. it's, a, it's a very exciting time at the Advocacy Center. But let me get to our guest, Tori. 
Tori uh, dreamt of becoming a police officer. She grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but her college coursework and an internship at the North Texas Children's Advocacy Center, that is a hard word to pronounce, (laughs) uh, redirected her to a slightly different um, line of public service. Tori has dedicated her career to advocating for the protection of vulnerable youth. As a forensic interviewer, and she'll tell you what that means a little bit later, and a family advocate, she has assisted in the identification and interruption of child abuse within her communities. Through the years, the work ignited in her the current passion she has of protecting youth through prevention education. Mm-hmm. For nearly six years, Tori was program director for the Hill Country Children's Uh, Advocacy Center in Burnett, Texas, and in 2017, she joined the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children as the South Texas Outreach Manager. In this role, she used her knowledge and experience to educate children, parents, and professionals on child safety issues across the state. In April 2019, Tori joined the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center to use her experience to expand prevention efforts efforts in Williamson County. In her role as this outreach and education supervisor, Tori has empowered thousands of individuals across the state to identify, interrupt, and prevent the abuse of children. She earned a criminal justice degree from Sam Houston State University, and she and her husband met at work 12 years ago and have been married for three years, and together they have one daughter who is a year old and her name is abigail oh so welcome to love talk tori oh thank you so much i'm so excited to be here so you guys have known each other for a few years mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> although tori wasn't at the center when i was on the board so she's, oh, okay. she's one of those newbies although she's not new i mean that'll tell you it's been a while since i've been on i'm the gonna board. tell you a covid time it's hard to hard to remember the time frames right <laughs> i actually left right. about the time you joined because uh, one of the reasons is I transitioned to um, the Williamson County Health District mm. Board uh, mm-hmm. at that point. So, Wow. Well, Tori, tell us um, exactly. We're going to start calling it the CAC, okay. the C-A-C, because I have trouble saying Children's Advocacy Center. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> so, CAC, um, if you could just walk us through um, the services offered and what is the CAC? Yeah, so here in Texas, we have about 70 Children's Advocacy Centers, or CACs, or CACs. Oh, CACs. Okay, (laughs) press probably, do you all say CAC? I say all of the above. Okay, okay. Okay. CAC. Yeah, so here in Williamson County, we offer uh, many services. We try to look at child abuse prevention and education and these situations in a holistic approach. Um, Really, the first service that kicks off any Children's Advocacy Center is our statewide intake, which is affiliated with Child Protective Services, which a lot of people know about Mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit more about. So a few years ago, there was some legislation that changed and it was saying, you know know what, CACs, we've been around since the 80s, the late 80s. Mm -hmm. Here in Williamson County, we started in 1997. And so we have been tasked with facilitating these investigations from beginning, really to provide hope, healing, and justice in the wake Mm -hmm. of child abuse investigations. And so a few years ago, the the department said, okay, CACs, you're going to be able to look at all of these reports, allegations of child abuse. Mm -hmm. And what was happening before is reports when people had concerns they were making reports to the department of family and protective services or cps and then it was going over to local law enforcement it was going over to the local cps office but you know what sometimes they were working together sometimes they were working independently and they were kind of duplicating efforts and so what we do at the cac is we have intake specialists who read every single intake here in williamson county and right now we're averaging between 450 500 reports a month and we're seeing okay okay. wait a minute i am so sorry to interrupt you 400 to 5 450 to 500 reports of child abuse in williamson county a month yeah 
Yeah. Oh, Tori. Okay. All right, friends, that gives you an idea of, of the, the breadth and depth of this work. Okay, go ahead. So yeah. you're, you're, you have intake specialists who are reviewing this. Each one of those reports that come across and they're saying, hey, does this meet the criteria for our services? And if it does, we reach out to law enforcement and CPS and start the facilitation of that investigation. And we say, hey, law enforcement officer or, hey, CPS worker, we see this case. You received it. Um, we'd like to extend our services. And really, our goal is to make sure no child falls through the cracks. And so the first service is statewide intake, and then the kids and the families are invited in to participate in a forensic interview. And um, that's a, just a semi-structured conversation between our trained interviewers and the kiddo to share their story, their experience with a neutral person. We don't work mm-hmm. for police officers. We don't work for CPS workers. Mm-hmm. It's just this opportunity for this child to share in a very neutral way with their own words what happened to them. Moms and dads aren't in the room. So, that, you know, mm-hmm. those sometimes are barriers too, right? Um, it is audio and video recorded, mm-hmm. and um, the investigative agencies, so law enforcement and CPS, they're actually observing from a, another room, from a closed-circuit television, so they don't have to re-interview these kids multiple oh, times. good. Yeah. Right? So before CACs, families were really tasked in these situations for searching the county for all these services. And so while our kids are conducting forensic interviews with our interviewers, we have family mm-hmm. advocates who work kind of like case managers um, and provides um, crisis uh, support, do needs assessments with families, how can we help you? And then we have our medical component, so they can get SANE exams, um, sexual assault nurse exams, uh, physical abuse exams, safe exams, which is kind of like a well child, just make sure their bodies are safe and they're okay. Hey, what, I, what I would say mm-hmm. with that, why is that so important? Because before the Advocacy Center, the CAC, had their own nurses that were trained specially for children's mm-hmm. sexual assault exams. There was no place in Williamson County these kids could go. Yeah. So they had to be transported either to Scott and White and Temple or to Dell Children's in Austin. Oh, wow. And oftentimes, some of these families don't have the resources to transport them. Sure. So it was, it was one, a scary thing. It was a... It was difficult for families to get there, and so by having them on site, uh, these these families and these children can go to one spot to get all these services. And when we talk about family advocacy, sometimes a mom finds out dad's been abusing a child mm-hmm. and has to pick them up and leave with nothing mm-hmm. but maybe the clothes on their back. So they need a place to stay. They need pots and pans they need clothes they need pharmaceuticals or whatever Mm -hmm. and so that's what kind of the job of the advocate so it's a very in-depth involved um holistic approach to attending to these children well i can't imagine as a child having to recount this horrific thing right to a police officer first and then, or to CPS mm-hmm. or the police, right? And then, and then, if if it was first the police, then to CPS, and and I mean, o- over and over again, right? Just the questions, and you know, not somebody that that might be um, specifically trained, but now you have these forensic interviewers that are coming in and working in conjunction that you guys have on staff, or and that's your job, right? It Tori? was my. It job. was your job. <laughs> Yeah, no, I now I'm on the prevention side. So I'm going out and educating kids about the signs and symptoms of abuse, how to reach out for help, teaching teachers how to recognize the signs and symptoms in their classroom and teaching parents how to tune in to these behaviors. We're going to get to that Mm -hmm. in our second segment big time because that is incredibly, incredibly important. And so you have these nurses on staff now as well that can conduct a an exam for a child um, and they're specifically trained in how to do that for children I'm sure that's comforting um, for you guys to know that that they're safe and in that 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 space oh yes I mean and here's the deal the forensic medical nurses I lovingly call them unicorns because there's a shortage there's a shortage not just here in Texas but across the country Mm. and we are incredibly fortunate to not only provide that on site because only 50 percent about 30 CACs, 35 here in Texas actually have that on site. Most CACs have to outsource it. 
in mm. some kind of component. So we're incredibly mm. fortunate to not have just one, but to have a team of three. Wow. Well, friends, when we return to Love Talk, we'll have more here with Tori from the Williamson County Advocacy. Williams. Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center. There we go. I got it. The CAC. Um, and we're, we're going to talk a lot about the signs and symptoms, how to um, recognize um, if something could be going on. And they have a whole booklet that they've published. Um, but we're going to hear that straight from Tori when we return to Love Talk with the Love Ladies right after this. Welcome back, everyone. This is Love Talk. The Bridge, Austin, today's Christian radio at 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. I'm here in studio with Carrie Brinkader and I'm Marlene McMichael. And we have our guest today, Terry Al- uh, Tori Algiers, who's the Outreach and Education Supervisor at the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center. And so, Tori, we've been talking about the center. What is it? How does it work? What does it do? And I think we ended that last segment without actually completing all of the services that are available at the Advocacy Advocacy Center or the CAC. And the reason why that's important is because it's a really, it's a one-stop shop for families who are facing some serious issues. So would you pick it up and kind of close that whole section out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I lovingly say, well, I think we all do, right? Mm-hmm. It takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the CAC is an opportunity to bring not only the child and the, the protective caregivers or family members, and they stop at one shop, like you were saying. They can access the forensic interview, the family advocacy piece. There's the medical component on site. We also provide mm-hmm. free training trauma therapy, which is phenomenal, and there's no limit on how many sessions a client can receive. And truly, the most phenomenal thing about kids accessing services at a CAC is they are eligible for services for the rest of their life. Mm. Because here's the thing about therapy is what we know about sexual abuse specifically is there sometimes are different trigger points depending Mm -hmm. on how old you were. So puberty could be a trigger point. Maybe Mm -hmm. you were under the age of 10 when you were abused, you got therapy in the moment, then puberty comes along. Mm -hmm. So maybe you need to come back into therapy. Maybe you're having your first child and thinking about the trauma Mm -hmm. that that is child labor, right? Mm -hmm. Or getting married and relationships. So they might need a refresher as an adult with Mm -hmm. some trauma, um, trauma, uh, trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and, but then also what we understand is sometimes families move, right? Mm. Not just here in the state, but also across the country. And CACs aren't just here in Texas. They're across the country. And I, I lovingly say we're a family. So if a mm-hmm. child accesses services at one CAC and then maybe they move to Dallas because that's where they have support systems, they're eligible for services at the Dallas CAC or the Austin CAC or Oklahoma or wherever mm-hmm. it is. And that's mm-hmm. so phenomenal. So the the trauma therapy is a huge component as well, going back to the hope, healing, and justice, right? Mm. And then the last piece is is our prevention education, which I think we'll get into a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But the trauma, I mean, the therapy is available to the parents as well. I mean, I remember one um, family who the perpetrator was a neighbor, Mm -hmm. and so the parents Mm -hmm. were just... Uh, so unsettled and I, I I talked to the father at length and that's very rare it was something he wanted to self-disclose because board members don't see the families that are involved but uh, this this gentleman did and so that that therapy is available to the families as well mm-hmm. yeah and gosh I always say, you know, I, like I said, I have, I have a one-year-old. <laughs> when we were in the hospital, they didn't give me a manual and say, hey, if something happens to your child, here's what you need to do. Right. And so often when families come to us, it's the worst day, right? And as yeah. a parent, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the fear, all the things, all the feelings and the emotions. And, and so being able to, to not only work with that child who's been a victim, but it doesn't just affect that kid. It affects that whole household dynamic. Their life is changed. And so what we understand about trauma and healing is we can't just focus on the child. we got to focus on the family mm. because the parents or the family has to support that kid. That's what's going to have the best outcomes for that kid. This is a little off topic because we're, we're going to get to um, really your job now. Um, but how, how many, like what percentage, and you may, you may not, 
like have a hard percentage, but what what percentage of the the children you see using your services has it been parental abuse, and like what percentage has it been like somebody outside the the media family? I don't know the statistic off the top of my head, sure. but what I will say is over 90% of the time, children are abused by people they know and trust, mm-hmm. and about a third of child sexual assaults are conducted by another child. So it could really? be a sibling, could be a peer, yeah, yeah. Makes but sense. often okay. somebody that they know. Yeah, and that's in your in your manual here um, that's called Recognizing and Reporting Child Abuse in Texas. And this was put out by the, the CAC in Dallas, um, but Recognizing and Reporting Child Abuse in Texas. And so you guys at the CAC have now added this education piece, and you have moved over into this area of education where where do you go to educate people on this? <laughs> do you go to school? All the places. All the places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, kind of like going back to the whole idea of a holistic approach. Um, you know, when I when I joined the team three years ago, we were really focusing on the professional education. We were really focusing yeah. on teachers, which is awesome and amazing. Mm-hmm. But if we're not mm-hmm. empowering kids to recognize the things that may be happening in their household, in yeah. their communities, to say, hey, that's not okay, and hey, I can get help, and hey, people are going to believe me, and there is a whole team of people that are going to support me and my family. Mm-hmm. So right now we do student education, um, really from kindergarten through high school on a variety of topics, including child abuse prevention um, and prevent- uh, prevention education, mm-hmm. and then um, internet safety, and oh, then also yeah. child sex trafficking. And then with each of our student programs, we have parent programs as well, because, again, if we're empowering these kids to use these words in these situations, we also have to empower the parents and caregivers in their life to recognize the terminology of the situation. So when the kids do speak up, Mm -hmm. they're there to tune in and, and get them services. So you said Internet safety. That just perked my ears up because um, uh, chatting with this, the, the ladies that run the Key to Free in Georgetown, it's the amazing organization that um, uh, helps victims of, of sex, sex trafficking, and they were telling me a story of a middle school girl who met a boy online. Um, he said he was 16, um, and she again, she was in a, a middle school, um, and um, – he called her one day and said, hey, do you want to meet? Because they had just chatted online, right? And um, uh, so she said, sure. So she walks outside. He's outside her school, okay, in Williamson County. And she jumps in his car. And it is a 16-year-old boy. Um, and he says, hey, we're going to go to the gas station first. We're going to fill up with gas. And and then, um, we're, and then we'll head on our journeys. We'll get some snacks, right? Well, he leaves the car to go pay or what, you know, whatever. He goes inside the gas station and the the sex traffickers walk out. And it's a, a team of people that get in that car and abduct, abduct that girl. And then she is involved in sex trafficking for years and years and years. And this is a girl who finally got away from her abusers. They had come to, to quote, unquote, trust her. And um, the whole time she was like, okay, I'm going to get them to trust me so I can get out of this. And so she took all the money um, one night and ran. And um, I, I'm sure that, I mean, is this a story that you that you see, that you hear? Is this something that comes across your desk that first went to law enforcement or went to CPS? And, and you know, are these types of, of trafficking victims? Yeah, yeah. Uh Well, I mean, and and gosh, when we talk about, like, indicators of trafficking, the number one uh, thing they often see is prior child abuse Mm -hmm. involvement. So involvement with CPS or law enforcement, runaways, like, Mm -hmm. just, you know, household dysfunctions or breakdowns, things Mm -hmm. like that. And, yes, and to your point, which is the most scary point, if people didn't hear it, is traffickers are smart, yeah. Even gosh, it's 2022 and when I go and talk to kids and I talk to them about like what are some safety rules you're hearing? The number one thing I always hear, can you guess? 
Uh, don't talk to strangers. Yes! Stranger <laughs> danger! Strange. But we just talked about the statistics. They're most often hurt by people they know and trust. And so I always tease, gosh, wouldn't it be so nice if they wore, if the people who wanted to hurt kids drove these white paneled vans white and van. said, free candy, right? Right, right, right. Or come pet these puppies. Exactly. But right. that, unfortunately, that's not the reality. And, and so they are using other kids to sometimes manipulate or uh, groom, which we'll talk about in a second, but also just to look for vulnerable youth. Well, talk about that. Talk about that term grooming because we hear that a lot when it comes to this um, the, the sexual abuse and uh, with someone um, that you know. What is yeah. grooming? Well, so grooming is the technique that, and I'll say perpetrator or somebody who's trying to exploit or take advantage of a child. It's the, the kind of strategy that they use to, to not only build or gain the trust of the child, but also the, the family and even the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and gosh, they're so good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Larry Nasher case? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, but he was a medical professional. And, and gosh, he abused girls on the the examination table with sometimes their parents in the room with them. And the parents had no idea what was going on. And and mm. that's mind-blowing. It's, it's mind-blowing. Blowing. And think about what that must feel like as a child, that mm-hmm. my parent is tasked with making sure I'm safe, right? And they're not mm-hmm. saying anything, so I'm, this must be normal. This must be okay. And then walking mm-hmm. out of those examination rooms and, and talking to other athletes saying, hey, did that happen to you? It, yeah, yeah. So normalizing that and mm-hmm. not having a safe outlet to say, no, that's not normal. No, that's not okay. Somebody should speak up, right? Yeah. And um, grooming, you know, it's... Uh, again, last week's program, Lisa said this um, man across the street um, owned the local mortuary, you know, and people trusted him, the funeral home. People trusted him, mm-hmm. yet he was he was abusing children in that space, and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got to be, he was well-respected in the community and all of that, and Wow. Now, the statistics in this book, Recognizing and Reporting, state that children do not talk about it. Like 73% of child abuse victims don't tell anyone for about a year. And 45% of victims do not tell anyone for at least five years. What are some of the reasons why kids may not talk? Well, and, and note that says child abuse, right? So that yes. could be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be neglect. Okay, okay. And That's a good good distinction. Thank we, you. No, yeah. And, and what we know about sexual abuse specifically is only about 10% of kids will ever disclose. And mm-hmm. the average age for a survivor of sexual abuse to disclose is actually 52, if they speak up at all. 52 wow. years old. That one is always so... Um, Earth shattering, if you will, to me. And and when you unpack that a second, you think, okay, gosh, if they were a child and they were abused by somebody they know and trust and now they're 52, do you think that abuser is still around? Probably not. Right. And so whether Mm -hmm. that person has died or whether the survivor of abuse has gone through therapy and understood what happened to them was abuse because, gosh, abuse is not black and white. I wish it was. It's not. So... There's three different things of, in abuse. It's as you said. It's it could be um, sexual abuse. It could be neglect, or it could be physical abuse. So, what do you say to a child? What do, what are your what are your what are your cautions to a child as you're teaching them in the school to say to be able to have the voice to stand up and say no, you can't do that to me, or to run and get help. What, mm-hmm. So what what are the keys that they look for that says, and then I want to flip that and say, what are the things parents need to know and say to their children to give them a voice, but also to see signs of abuse from someone else? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... When we go out and talk to kiddos, obviously the way we talk to kindergartners is vastly different than how we talk to middle school and high school kids, which I think is an important distinction because a lot of times folks reach out and say, hey, when are we supposed to have these conversations? How are we supposed to teach our kids about the world's not always a safe place? Mm -hmm. And the reality is 
always. Yeah. <laughs> it's never too early to have these conversations, right? So when we go out, we start with the kindergartners often, and um, we use a program from the Tarrant County Women's Shelter, which is called Play It Safe. Um, and we have say no, get away, and tell a trusted adult. We say no, but you know what? Sometimes people say no. Does that always stop the abuse? Mm-hmm. No. Um, and we say get away, but get away when you can, right? Um, because do you think an abuser might be bigger than the kid they're abusing? Do yeah. You, like it, if they're getting abused in their home, what is the safest option for them? Sometimes, you know, when we talk about fight, flight, and freeze, the response is to fear, right? In sexual assaults, sexual abuse, most often it's freeze. It's disassociation, yeah. and that's their body. This is the only thing I can do to survive is just stay here because if I hit him or her, because women do sexually abuse kids too, they might get angry. They might fight back. I might be yeah. in more danger. If I try to push off and run away, they might catch me. And they might be more angry. The abuse might get worse, right? And so mm. disassociation, sitting there living through that worst moment or moments of their life might be the best way for them to survive. So when we're talking to kids, we say get away when you can, which could be I go to school the next day. And I have a teacher that I really like. Mm-hmm. I have a teacher that believes in me, that listens to me, that values me. Gosh, teachers are great people to talk to. Or moms, or dads, or, you know, every kid has a different kind of sphere of people around them um, that mm-hmm. could protect them. Um, and then as we get a little bit older, we say, um, you know, gosh, kids in middle school and high school, oftentimes they go to each other when they have hard stuff going on. And so we also tell kids, you know, these things might never happen to you, but it might happen to your friend. And I want you to know how to keep your friend safe. And I can't tell you how many kids have come to our office because a friend told their parent, hey, Susie or Joe at school said X, Y, and Z happened to me. And I don't know what we can do to keep them safe. And that parent sometimes calls CPS. And so you just never know. Never know. You know, as I was talking to these ladies <clears throat> from Key to Free Organization, they were telling me about a young woman who um, was in middle school, again, in Williamson County, and she was trafficked every day. Her mom was pretty mm-hmm. absent, um, and every day her trafficker picked her up from school, trafficked her all night long. It just makes my stomach hurt to even say it. And then would drop her off back at school the next day. And what her teachers were seeing was a young woman who was tired, dirty, um, uh, really just not able to engage at all. And so um, as you're talking to children, um, I'm sure teachers are in the rooms and they're hearing these things. Um, are, are, are you guys out trying to educate um you know, teachers as mm-hmm. well that are, that are, you know, might see this going on? Yeah, so great question. So that's the other piece, right? So we educate students and then their parents or caregivers and the teachers Excellent. or professionals is kind of what I call them. Perfect. And actually teachers or educators, anybody who works with kids is required every year to get child abuse training, mm-hmm. but also training on trafficking as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are talking about these things. But, you know, what I will say to that is kind of going to those those myths and those perceptions of what abuse might look like. And, I, you know, gosh, I think it's really important to say it's not always the kid who's throwing desks around or cussing and swearing sure. or ripping up paper or falling asleep in class because right. that's a really great example. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the overachiever. Sometimes it's the straight-A student. Are you familiar with Oprah Right. Mm-hmm. and her story? Right. She's also a survivor. She's, mm-hmm. she's a, you know, really <laughs> well-known. She's yeah. come out the other side, but she talks about her, her coping skill is perfectionism. And, yeah. and, and gosh, when we think about a classroom perspective, which kids get more intervention? The, the A honor roll student who always has the answer to the question or the kid flipping over a desk? Right. It's the kid flipping over a desk. Right. Yeah. Could you um, tell us what the Texas law says about reporting child abuse and who has the responsibility Mm -hmm. to do that? And, you know, are there key triggers that we can see to say, okay, something's going on here? Yeah. So in the state of Texas, a mandated reporter is anybody 18 years or older. So, gosh, like that could be a senior in high school, right? Right. So we actually go out and have similar trainings to seniors in high school who are in mentoring capacities um, to kind of educate them on that information. And um, 
you know, professionals, people who are required every year to get continued education on the laws, the science, the symptoms of abuse, they're called professional reporters. So what that means is, gosh, we still have to report it, but we actually have to report it within 48 hours. Average moms and dads who don't get training like that every single day, they're called a non-professional reporter, still incredibly important. They get up to 72 hours. But at the end of the day, we want to report it as quick as possible. And there's there's uh, multiple ways to report child abuse. If a kid's in immediate danger, so you're at a park and you see somebody uh, hurting a kid, like physically assaulting a child, you're going to call 911 because law enforcement is going to be the one who's immediately there on site. But just calling law enforcement is not going to meet our legal mandate. We still have to call CPS, the Child Protective Services. Um, and you can do that online. You can do it over the phone as well. Um, doing it online, you're going to get a quicker response. Um, but you can totally do it online. That's more, we use the online platform if, um, say, a kid comes to school after summer break. It's, we'll say, August. And says, gosh, you know, it, when I was at summer camp, one of my camp counselors did X, Y, and Z. Well, we want that report to come in, but you know what? That kid's not in immediate danger. They're not mm-hmm. going to be around that camp counselor right now. Mm-hmm. So CPS can also prioritize a little bit different. What are some questions that parents should be asking before they send their kid to summer camp? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know, like like um, uh-huh. confirmed background checks are being done. Um, you know, it's all in your in this wonderful manual that you guys have, but... I think sometimes parents are like, oh, yeah, well, of course they're doing all that. But these are questions we need to be asking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's not just camp. It's uh, our kids going to soccer or um, dance or whatever. Um, So Music lessons. Music lessons, yeah. yeah. Um, So I would say typically what does your child protection policy look like? And if they say what, (laughs) ask more questions. Um, Mm Are kids alone with um, an adult? Are they alone ever? Um, That's probably not a good idea. Mm -hmm. I I would also say we need to talk to our kids about what healthy boundaries are. If if your kid says, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm not cool with you sitting right up next to me, and that person is still pressing your boundary and, and still wanting to be really up close next to you, then that's an opportunity for your child to say, hey, this person's not being respectful of the very small boundary I've already implemented. Um, I probably need to go talk to somebody, whether that's a camp counselor, a coach, a mom, a dad, because that's our job as adults to be able to have those tough conversations. Sorry, Mm -hmm. my kid's not going to give every single person a hug, but that's her right to say, no, I don't want to give you a hug. And if you don't respect that, then I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and I, you know, um, when my children were very little, um, my my mother-in-law, my my kids weren't like super huggy kids. And she said, that's fine. They don't have to hug me. That is just fine. She was a teacher and she um, she got that. And I just thought my kids were being rude, right? Like, oh, no, you need to go hug Grant, you know, and she was like, no, 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 no. It's totally fine. You know, and I I so appreciated that, that she empowered my kids to have that voice. Like, it's not that I don't love you and I don't want to see you. Like, I just don't want to give you a hug. That's just, you know. And um, so I really appreciated that. But as parents, we should be asking these questions. Confirmed background checks um, are conducted on all employees and volunteers where we're sending our kids um, as as here we are at summertime, right, In and ensure that policies are in place that prohibit situations where a, an adult is alone with a child. That's never a good idea. And adults, that's good protection for you, too, yes, <laughs> to never be alone with a child. Um, you just put yourself in a vulnerable position um, that that that's never, never good. Uh, people can say all kinds of things, right? So um, what do you talk about when you talk about Internet safety? How do you communicate this to children? Because, I mean, goodness, we're seeing kids in elementary now with phones, mm-hmm. right? So how do we communicate just very briefly before we take our break here? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I always say um, child abuse prevention, the say no, get away, tell a trusted adult. Those are the same tools we use about Internet safety. If anybody sends you something that you don't like, something that makes you feel sad, scared, or confused, Mm. you can block them. You can get away. That might mean you get out of that screen. You can still go tell a trusted adult, a mom or a dad. And we really work with parents to say, hey, parents, one of the reasons kids don't tell you about these things is they're scared of the consequences. 
consequences. You're right. going to take my phone away. You're going to take my tablet away. But we really want to yeah. come at it as a, again, an empowerment, empowerment mm-hmm. um, opportunity for parents to be like, you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. Um, mm. And I want you to come to me. If we can't have kids come to us when somebody sends them an inappropriate picture, how can we expect kids to come to us when much bigger things are happening in their life? Great, great points. Oh, friends, we've got lots more to cover with Tori from the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center when we return to Love Talk. Um, This conversation is so timely. It's so needed. Um, And we all need to hear this so that we can recognize what's going on in our world around us. Um, Even though we don't necessarily want to see it, it it is up to us to recognize it and um, really have a pulse for these things as our communities just continue to grow. So more from Tori um, with the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center here on Love Talk with uh, Coach Carrie and Marlene when we return right after this. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Love Talk on the Bridge Austin, today's Christian radio at 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. We're here in studio with Carrie Brinkader and myself, Marlene McMichael. And we also have our special guest, Tori Algier, who's the Outreach and Education Supervisor at the Williamson County Children's Advocacy Center. And we're talking about all things uh, child abuse today because we want you to help our children mm-hmm. recognize things that might be going a miss in their lives. And if you haven't heard the the first part of the story, please go to our archives and hear the first two segments and you can find those at lovetalknetwork.com. So, Tori, <laughs> we've talked about a lot and um we've heard the story last week from uh, Lisa Michelle about what it's like to be a victim. Mm-hmm. And you're telling us how you go about and spend your days educating everybody to recognize (laughs) uh, child abuse. And and so we thank you for that. But what are some of the key behavioral or key, you know, if you're you're going about your day and but all of a sudden your child is acting out or something, what are some of those key things to kind of at least stop and have a conversation with your child? Well, you know, when I talk to parents or caregivers um, or I talk to teachers, they know their kid more than I do, meaning that, like, if you have a kid who's an introvert and then all of a sudden is throwing things across the room, cussing, yelling at you, just not themselves, tune in. And it might not mean that they're being a victim of some type of abuse, but that's really a cry for help. That's Mm -hmm. really a cry for help. Um, whether the kid understands that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's our opportunity to tune in and ask questions and be there and not accusing them of doing something they're not supposed to, but just being that safe, trusted adult for them. But I would also say um, we all have a sphere of influence with kids, uh, meaning that, gosh, I'm an educator, but I'm a parent, I'm a neighbor, I go to HEB, I go to the grocery store. I always tease that one of the worst things that we can do as a society is put our headphones in or look down at our cell phone as we're walking Mm -hmm. because we're not being observant of what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to kind of your trafficking situation, mm-hmm. the, uh, Madisonville, right north of um, Houston area, very small town. Um, there was a girl who was being trafficked, and she was traveling during the day in a car with her traffickers, and she was banging on the window screaming for help. Oh. And a person driving past noticed, like, hey, that's not normal, called 911, was able to get a license plate number, and rescued that girl. Oh, oh crazy. Wow. Yeah. But gosh, what if she had been texting and driving or what if she was like, that's not my problem, that bystander effect, yeah. right? Oh, somebody else will see it. I must not understand what's happening in front of me, mm-hmm. right? My eyes must be deceiving me. Isn't there a mm-hmm. hand signal that y'all teach children to use when they need help as well? I, I have seen it. I don't teach it, but people do. Um, and it, well, I, because we're on radio, it's hard, <laughs> <laughs> hard for me to demonstrate that. <laughs> well, I bet you we could Google yes. it and look it yes. up online. And yes, there's so. lots of TikToks out there for you guys. Um, but, you know, more of the point is just creating a safe space for kids to talk, for people to talk. And to de-shame and de-stigmatize abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about physical abuse. We've talked about sexual abuse. We've talked, a, I mean, a little bit about neglect, which can mean a lot of different things. But domestic violence is also mm-hmm. a form of abuse. And about one in four women in our community 
are victims of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. One in four. That's true. People mm-hmm. at church, yeah. right? Um, so if we feel like something's not right, that's our body's way of telling us something around us is cueing into something that might be dangerous or unnerving. And so you should ask questions. Well, in this manual, um, again, the, the name of the manual, and we will put a link on our Facebook page, Love Talk Radio, to recognizing and reporting child abuse in Texas. And I think this is worth mentioning that um, there's, uh, they have uh, basically some steps here. When when you are the trusted adult that's that a child is coming to, um, to you know these these steps that. I mean, are so calming for a child to to believe that child. They're, they, children rarely lie about an intense and painful topic um, if they're willing to disclose, right? And to remain calm and don't overreact. I was telling the ladies in the break, like, even with my own children, when they've come to me sometimes with things that are hard, I might have a tendency to have a big reaction. Um, and that that kind of is scary to kids, right? D- because they will interpret it as anger or disgust or sadness. And that's not directed at them. So to be calm, right, and don't overreact and to kind of ask open-ended questions, mm-hmm. right? Um, just to gather minimal facts. Um, but ultimately, as the trusted adult um, Tori, if you are the trusted adult, what needs to be your first step after you, you talk with this child? Who should you call? Should you call uh, CPS? Yes. Okay. I was trying to think. Well, it depends on so many different things. Right, right, but right. Yes. But if they're not yes. in immediate danger like we talked right. about before, CPS. To, to call CPS. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that's that's excellent, excellent um, advice. Okay, so, I mean, Marlene, you've been involved with this organization for so many years, um, Children's Advocacy Center. Um, You know, uh, what are some things that you saw that that you want to ask Tori about, about volunteer opportunities? Well, there are volunteer opportunities. Mm -hmm. They the volunteers have to go through some sort of briefing or, or training. Sure. But, um, I mean, you can imagine because there there's rooms for waiting rooms for children as they're waiting to get their forensic interview or mm. go, go see a counselor. There's waiting rooms for adults. There's waiting rooms for young children mm. and teenage children. So they're not in the same room. Gotcha. I mean, I know of one group and it, it was sponsored by uh, a business in town who came in and, and wiped down all those surfaces so that they were oh. clean in between groups. Wow. Uh, snacks and uh, advocacy center goes through more snacks <laughs> and drinks than you can imagine. I'm sure. It's and Southern hospitality. Are you fed and are you thirsty? There you go. <laughs> That's right. It's That's pretty right. amazing. Mm-hmm. But I know that there's a um, one of the things that was the most fun that we did, um, and I know that the quarters are a little smaller now. So it, that may have been diminished, but I know when the new building is open that it will go back to it. But we did, we had a big Christmas store. So people, we, we got lists from, um, the mothers. What do the children want, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, Oh, Marlene's getting emotional. I'll never forget oh. one of the, one of the uh, children I picked one year wanted mm-hmm. a whole box of cookies. That's what they wanted. And they get to pick three items that they want. And so as if you pick that child as, as, as your, that you're sponsoring, then you can buy those three items, those gifts. Mm. And the, the requests are not big. Mm-mm. That's the amazing thing. They're, they're simple things mm-hmm. like, I remember one, I just want my mama to be happy. Uh, you know, how do you make a mama happy? You know, wow. but but these gifts are all, I mean, they're packaged per child. But then the children get to come in and pick a gift for their parents. Mm-hmm. And so they're, the Christmas abounds at the Advocacy Center oh. on those days when it is get the gifts in, get them categorized, and get them out. And it's, it's quite amazing um, what happens there. That Please. just goes to show you the depth of um, this issue when a child wants a whole box of cookies and that's what they ask for. I mean, they're hurting. They're so, they're just hurting. Now, Tori, what are some 
Do you have a story of hope for us <laughs> as we close out the program? That's so great. I have so many. I'm sure you um, do. And that's the question we get so often is, man, this is hard stuff. Yeah. It is really heavy. And how do you do these things? And yeah. so I was, I was sharing with them um, what fills my bucket and so many at our organization is, one, kids never leave crying. Never, mm-hmm. never. And I think that speaks so much to the amazing work that's done at the Advocacy Center. But mm-hmm. um, I will give, uh, so I do the prevention education and it was something that happened recently. Um, I was chatting with some third graders uh, about our, you know, rules, say no, get away, tell a trusted adult. And I had a kid in the class who raised her hand and said, has anybody ever told you these things have happened to them? And of course I said, yes. And she says, did you believe them? And, of course, I said, yes, of course I would believe them. And then she asked to talk to me afterwards. And she had shared that um, she had been being abused for a long time, and she was too scared to tell her mom because her mom's been going through a hard time Mm -hmm. with a divorce and moving and all the things that associated to that. She just didn't want to be a burden to her mom. And I know it's a sad story, but it's also that's why these conversations and creating safe spaces are so incredibly important. If kids that young get it, Man, what a wonderful, what a wonderful world it would be. That's not a sad story. That's a story of hope for that child. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And so they came in and, you know, was was able to share her story. Her mom believed her and just, you know, what if she had never told? She could have continued to be in that household around that person for who knows how long. Right. So that's when we talk about the importance of, one, identifying, recognizing, and preventing. That's what we do. That's what we do. Wonderful. Could you tell us what other kinds of professional groups that you might go and um, and give an educational message? For example, I mean, a lot of us are members of clubs. Do you mm-hmm. go to clubs? Yeah. I mean, student clubs, student organizations, professional groups, chambers, rotaries, church groups, women's groups, men's groups, uh, youth mm-hmm. groups. <laughs> okay. Um, so everywhere. all the groups. <laughs> all of them. If you're in charge of a group, contact us. <laughs> Um, and actually, um, Children's Advocacy Center, you can, you can actually go to that website as well. Friends, I, unfortunately, we are out of time here on Love Talk today. We are so blessed and thankful for you, Tori. Thank you for spending uh, your, your morning with us today here on Love Talk. Friends, uh, we love you. And there's a reason why you've tuned into this program today. If you missed any of it, of course, you can go to our archives at Love Talk Network, and you can find all all of our archives there. We want you to have a, a the all important, most important relationship of your whole life, and that is with Jesus. Friends, we pray that you would find a church that is preaching from the Word, that gets out their Bible and preaches from the from the divine Word of the Lord. Um, if you have any questions, you can call us on the Love Line at five one two six four four seven nine seven two, and you can find us on Facebook at Love Talk Radio. For Marlene McMichael, I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater. We'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.